Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's segment right here on the Product and Packaging Powerhouse. I am your host, Megan Young-Gamble, Chief Project Officer at GLC, which is a boutique operations management firm that provides packaging and project execution support for CPG brands. Also, I am in every day of a lot of different um, consumer products in the market. As you've listened to some of my prior episodes, I've shared my favorite product. So if you know what it is, make sure you do help contribute to my collection. If this is your first time with me, I love lip glosses. Okay, that is like my staple thing. So as I really try to work on preserving my youth and making sure my skin looks radiant and dewy and glowy all the time, I make sure to add lip gloss on top of it, especially in, you know, as part of like my normal skincare routine. And so guys, for today's segment, we are going to be recapping 2023, getting into some of the trends that we're going to see in the year of 2024. And so let's go ahead and kick this off. So if this is your first time rocking with me, welcome. Greatly appreciate you for joining the product and packaging powerhouse and listening to the content. Make sure you do hit that bell notification as well as subscribe to our respective platforms. So you get instant notification of when we drop our new segments right here on the show. And so for today, as I shared, we're going to be recapping 2023 and getting ready to talk about trends we're going to see in the year of 2024. So let's really talk about it. So in the year of 2023, AI really took off and really started to become the way we work and the way we see things in the marketplace. And now in 2024, we're starting to see AI be more so incorporated into our everyday work. We have different MRFs that are going to be utilizing AI to help with sorting with different materials, uh, to help with recycling, especially with the reduction of workforce. You're going to start seeing AI be utilized in manufacturing. So I cannot wait to share recaps of when I go visit some actual, attend some actual classes to learn more about AI and manufacturing. So make sure you stay tuned for those episodes that will be coming later. And then also a lot of us have been utilizing ChatGPT, you know, for helping to draft quick communications and then also tailoring it to our respective needs. And ChatGPT, BARD, and other respective AI tools, you know, to use to be utilized as content generation and help with speed of getting those things cranked out. AI is here to stay, guys. And so a couple of things that we are now starting to see respectfully in the beauty space is a lot of big conglomerate companies such as L'Oreal are starting to incorporate AI, you know, during the product ideation, research and development stages. And so, for example, L'Oreal has an idea lab. That uses AI algorithms to identify market gaps and generate product ideas tailored to specific customer needs. And so we're seeing that with L'Oreal. We also see how Sephora is leveraging AI powered tools for idea generation, customer feedback analysis. You have JCPenney's who has a virtual makeup tool try on. Uh, platform that is helping to scan your skin, help provide skin analysis and more. So guys, AI is just the beginning, you know, and we're definitely going to see an evolution of utilizing this, uh, this new tool to help optimize the way we work, to help with gaining feedback quicker, to help with making it um, more important uh, decision-making and more. So it is here to stay. Um, now, a couple of things that we may be seeing come down the, down the pipeline starting in 2024 is with the utilization of AI or digitization at a standpoint, we may be seeing how AI is going to be incorporated with aiding in ingredient selection, 
product development, compliance with regulatory standards, which is really big, especially in the beauty space, as well as packaging. There's a lot of things changing because we don't talk about it. You know, so we're going to see some advancements within the space as well. And so if you have started to see AI be utilized um, in various platforms, in various ways, and if you're leveraging AI, I would love for you to respond back and let us know how you're incorporating AI into your business, into your practice, and also for the ways of working in your respective fields. So guys, AI is here to stay. So don't think that this is just something that is going to come and go. It is not. It is here and we have to adapt to the changes. And so still thinking about what we saw in 2023 and leading into 2024, which is another thing that's been really a big conversation is sustainability. And I feel like this has been the buzzword that we've been hearing for quite some time. And so now in 2024, sustainability is like the staple vague word that's like a lot of things are encompassed underneath that word or that umbrella. And so just to kind of think through like in 2023, what we saw in reference of sustainability and such. So according to inbound logistics, we saw how, you know, being a shift towards the reduction of material waste, enhancing recyclability and incorporating recycled materials or increase in PCR content, which is post-consumer recycled content. And so out of inbound logistics, 72% of decision makers have identified the reduction of material waste as a crucial area of focus. And 66 respondents are prioritizing material recyclability. And so those are good. And we also are starting to see the needle move, you know, with different packaging guidelines, such as packaging extended producer responsibility, packaging EPR. So if you listen to some of our other segments right here on the product and packaging powerhouse, I've had the opportunity to have this conversation with multiple um, guests that have been on the platform to really understand and get their perspective of packaging EPR and what we're gonna see. So if you have not learned or do not know about packaging EPR, all of the information and respective links will be down in the show notes for you all. So you can go and visit it and actually become more educated on the matter. But high level, packaging EPR is really about how packaging can be, be part of the sustainability um, market, excuse me, sustainability um, initiatives, you know, for the companies, but ultimately it's going to have a responsibility on the brand owners to be responsible for the end of life cycle of the packaging. So to give you an example, if I receive my favorite product, lip gloss, okay. If I receive, you know, a couple of different lip glosses and other respective products, you know, from brand ABC, when I receive it as a consumer from brand ABC, I'm going to utilize the product. I'm going to recycle it. And so after I recycle it as a consumer, it gets picked up to go to the recycling center to be sorted. So thinking through that stage, brands may be required to think through what is the end of life responsibility and also what could be the financial implications of it as well if it's potentially not recyclable, you know, cannot be going back into the circular economy and more. So this is going to be a big conversation because we already have four states that have a past packaging EPR laws. We have other states that are starting to evaluate what that looks like, you know, for their respective states and then the municipalities and more. And so this is going to be something ongoing. So as I talk about how sustainability is very broad and there's a lot of things that are encompassed underneath sustainability, you know, packaging EPR is one of them. We do have state 
um, respective state regulations and other regulations in place. But one thing that I would really encourage any listeners, brand owners, companies to really be thinking through is what does sustainability mean to you as the brand or organization? What does that mean for the initiatives you have for the company? And ultimately, what does sustainability mean for your consumers? And so it really should, you really have to take take it as like an onion and peel back the different layers to really understand, you know, what sustainability means to you. So I had a great interview conversation with Rachel Hassel, who's the VP of procurement um, at Harvest Hill. And she talks about, you know, aligning with the same things. Speaking with Adam Peake, who's the host of People of Packaging podcast and the senior vice president Myers. We talk about those same topics, as well as with Corey Connors, who has a sustainable packaging podcast. So even with all of us being in various sectors of the business relative to packaging, we all understand that sustainability means something different to each of us and the brands we work on and the products we're putting out and understanding the markets the products are going to launch into and understanding you know, those conversations we're having with our vendors and our suppliers. So it's a much larger conversation, but really getting finite into understanding what sustainability means to your organization, how it aligns with possibly your ESG initiatives. You may not even need sustainable packaging at this moment because that's a whole nother type of investment that we're seeing as well. But also too, you may need to start with sustainable operations and then evolve into sustainable packaging. So it's something that really should be looked at much greater and not just a one size fits all approach in reference of sustainability. It is not a one size fits all. It really is something that has to be very tailored to the respective companies and the organizations and ultimately the consumer. Because if the consumer, like myself in the example of receiving the lip gloss products from brand ABC, I live in Georgia. How we recycle things and how different things are sorted at the recycling centers are totally different processes and different requirements than how things may be recycled in New York. We're two states that's still on the East Coast, North and the South, respectfully. However, the infrastructure in these two different states are different. So there's no uniformity. And so understanding what the different state regulations and state recycling looks like is really going to be key. And so understanding those things is really going to be important because you may have to start disclosing, you know, visit your recycling centers in your state or municipalities. You may have to start stating that on your packaging. You may need to incorporate QR codes, which is another big trend that's going to be ongoing, um, especially since the time of COVID, you know, so you may have to incorporate a QR code to really showcase and maybe provide recommendations of where consumers can go and understand how to recycle the products or different drop-off facilities and such. So I know like with Nordstrom, they have the beauty cycle program where you can bring your empty beauty products to their to their stores and to be part of the beauty cycle program. However, if you don't have a Nordstrom or if it's not conveniently located, are you really going to do that? You know, so we are starting to see, you know, the needle move in reference to sustainability. But like I shared, understand what does sustainability mean for you, your brand, your organization, what are the initiatives that align with the company that is part of sustainability? And then ultimately, what is sustainability going to mean for the consumers? And how do they get the packaging and such back into the circular economy if that's something of importance to your brand? So I'm going to share some respective sources for you to look at the respective metrics from inbound logistics, as well as to get 
insight from consumers' perspective around sustainable packaging from packaging EPR and what that means on a high level. But a couple other things I really want to mention is, you know, what's ahead in 2024. So this is where you really need to have somebody who understand the regulations. So regulatory specialist, compliance manager, a legal team, or being immersed with somebody who is part of these organizations and understand what this looks like. So in the year of 2024, you know, what type of products do existing packaging EPR laws cover? You know, so with this, California focused on single-use plastics and thinking through um, how to really have plastic be intended for disposal rather than refill or reuse programs like Maine, Oregon, and Colorado, because those are the respective states that have passed packaging EPR at this time. And so understanding this, you know, you need to understand how, you know, single-use plastics is going to be part of the packaging EPR. If you're starting to create, you have sample programs, what does this mean for you? Where are most of your clients um, or consumers actually, you know, obtaining this product? What does this mean? You know, once again, I'm in Georgia. So how we do things, you know, is different than California. But California starts to set the trend for a lot of things that rolls out nationwide. You know, so single-use plastics may be, may be gone. What does that mean? And what is the exemptions part of this? You know, who qualifies as a producer? You know, so as part of that, you know, according to the National Law Review, they're saying the producer varies you know, from state to state. And EPR responsibilities are defined largely with reference to branding. So when an item is sold in packaging under manufacturer's own brand or the producer is the manufacturer, you know, so understanding what, who qualifies as a producer, who's going to be the responsible party, and then whoever is deemed as a producer, what do they do, you know? And so according to the National Law Review, they are encouraging producers under the EPR programs to join state-designated producer responsibility organizations or um, acronym as PRO. So the pros PRO are tasked with operating the EPR program to achieve statewide recycling goals, including collecting fees and various information from producers. So you want to make sure that based upon where your respective state is, that you're starting to get involved with these PROs, the Designated Producer Responsibility Organizations. So I'm going to look into this here for myself in the state of Georgia, and I'll keep you all updated on my findings and what I see. And then last thing is what's upcoming for EPR programs. Um, as of right now, uh, existing state programs are still in the infancy stage of implementation. So Colorado is the only state thus far that has designated a PRO. Okay, so to answer my question. Um, you know, which is called the Circular Action Alliance. And so they are a nonprofit um, really falling under like 18 food and beverage and consumer good pro uh, company, excuse me. And so as part of that, you know, California has closed their potential PROs um, as of January 1st this year. And Oregon is working on their second rulemaking under the Plastic Pollution and Recycling Modernization Act of 2021. Um, so although Maine was the first state to pass the EPR law, uh, EPR law, implementation is much slower than other states. And so Maine is working to initiate rulemaking for the program by the end of 2023 and adoption of the rules anticipated in summer 2024. And they will start to open up their actual pro applications in fall 2025. And so other states are considering adopting EPR programs. And so we're going to see slow traction here, 
But in the year of 2024, um, Maryland's going to be conducting a needs assessment scheduled for completion December 2024. Also looking at Connecticut, New York, Massachusetts, and Minnesota, as well as some other states. So I cannot wait to see in the year of 2024 what other states are going to start adopting EPR program, which states are going to actually be looking at, you know, the different PROs, which is the producer responsibility organizations, because I think this is going to be a much larger conversation and we need to have the right infrastructure in place to accommodate these growing demands, as well as recycling in the different states and municipalities. Like I shared earlier, you know, with me in based in Atlanta, Georgia, how we recycle product is different than how New York recycles. So I talk about this. I'm very transparent that, you know, while we're in the infancy stage of packaging EPR and it is much needed, you know, we need to make sure that we have the right infrastructure in place. I am big about that. I cannot wait to see what's going to come within the year of 2024 around packaging EPR and the different rollouts. So I would love to hear from those of you who are having conversation with, you know, different change makers and thought leaders around packaging EPR policy makers, those who are actually working in the manufacturing facility and what you all are seeing and hearing in this space, because I would love to have you as a guest on the show to talk about it and help educate us about the things that are coming and things that we may not even know outside of what's trending and also notated within these different news reports. And so guys, I gave you insight of a little bit of what we saw in 2023, also what we're seeing in 2024 within the beauty world, within packaging, EPR, um, different regulations that we're seeing like with Mocha and Beauty and such. So we're starting to see a lot of things changing in real time. And it's kind of crazy how things have are really accelerating because I feel like I'm seeing something new every single day. And if I feel that, and I work in this space, I'm sure you, those of you who work in this space alongside of me understand it. And we're trying our best to keep, you know, stay abreast of what's going on. Our regulatory consultants and internal teams, they are actively trying to make sure that they are staying abreast and on top of all the different changes and requirements and registrations and understanding the market placement and retail and things of that sort. So kudos and shout out to the regulatory agents, okay? Because we could not produce any products without regulatory and legal teams. And so continuing on with things that we saw in 2023 and continuation in 2024, which is, as I share, QR codes. So we are now in a stage where consumers are hungry for information. They want to engage with us. Packaging, you only have eight seconds to make an impression with brands and with consumers when your product is displayed on the shelf. And so understanding that, how do you communicate as much things, as many things as possible without overbearing the consumer, but also how do you get them involved and engaged in your respective brand so they can continuously learn more about what you do, the information and the value that you're providing? So with consumer engagement, we're now starting to use that through smart packaging. So of course, as I mentioned, QR codes have been here since COVID 2020, when we were all in our homes, couldn't really go anywhere. And if you, and when things started to reopen, everybody were use, was using QR codes to, you know, for your restaurants, to order things, whatever the case may be. And now you even have digital, um, digital catalogs and books that you can you know, visit with the different vendors and suppliers in the space, utilizing and scanning their QR code. So QR codes are here to stay. 
but we're also starting to see other smart packaging be utilized through NFC technology, augmented reality elements, and those are no longer novelties because now they're becoming essential tools for engaging with consumers. And so I'm going to share an article with smart packaging with QR codes because this is something that we're starting to see a lot more brands start using and incorporating within their packaging artwork to convey that information to us as everyday consumers. So whether that's a tutorial, whether that's, um, you know, I love seeing the QR codes for different recipes, especially for new sauces. I remember one of the guests on the Powerhouse show uh, right here on the product and packaging powerhouse that where I talked with Tara Payton, who is a fractional marketing manager. And she talked about how she'll go to, go to the grocery store, purchase like curry sauces. And she loves a good recipe, especially if it's something new. So guys, we as everyday consumers love QR codes and that is not going to change. You know, we've seen how Snoop Dogg is, has incorporated augmented reality with 19 crimes where you can, you know, put your camera over the actual label and it'll have some augmented reality involved. We're now seeing NFC technology. So this is going to be continuously evolving with consumer engagement through smart packaging. And so we are not going to be changing. This is something that's going to be continue, continuing into 2024 and beyond. And so guys, you know, hitting on some of these high points, you know, there's a lot of things that we've seen. And so for 2024, also have to give a shout out and mention our color of the year, according to Pantone. So Pantone is one of the big color conglomerates where within the print world and execution of print on packaging, we utilize the um, color system Pantone and you have other respective color systems as well. But Pantone normally comes out with their annual color of the year. And for this color, um, this color this year is called Peach Fuzz. So it's very fitting because I live in Georgia. We're known um, as the Peach State. So, you know, it's very fitting, you know, with me living in Georgia and such. But with Peach Fuzz being the 2024 color of the year, it's really marking the 25th anniversary of Pantone's color of the year program. So Peach Fuzz is that soft, that heartfelt hue expression the desire to nurture kindness, compassion, and, con and connection while fostering a deep coziness as we, as we seek for a peaceful future. So you will have the respective link to actually check out the color. I would love to see any brands that are incorporating this respective color of the year into their actual designs, marketing collateral, et cetera. So I would love to see anything that you all are producing. So drop it down, email us and let us know how you're incorporating the new Pantone color of the year, Peach Fuzz, into your marketing, your design aspects as well. So let us know. So continuing on with what we're gonna see in the year of 2024, which in the beauty world, we're actually having this be forecasted as the skinification of hair care. And so let me just say, we've seen upward momentum and increase of different hair care brands coming to market. And so, you know, some people will say, well, is this, you know, just fluff? Like, are we, are we saturating the market with more hair care products? Like are, are these new hair care products that's coming to market really going to be advantageous and how are they different than what's already in the market? Well, let me just say at the end of the day, when you go to the grocery store, right. And say, for instance, you're going to pick your salad dressing. You have countless brands. You have Wishbone, you have Kraft, you have Neiman's, you have um, like the Simply Vinaigrette that's in the refrigerated grocery section, you know, and other respective brands as well. Annie's, all of that, right? At the end of the day, you have all these options and different brands that you can actually purchase for salad dressings. 
And you may not purchase all of them because you may like a certain flavor. You may go to something based upon the graphics that are on actual labels of the bottles. You may, um, you know, like the different uh, key benefits or the ingredients that are in the salad dressings, you know, so you as a consumer are going to choose the salad dressing based upon your personal preference. Wishbone is not targeting the same people as Neiman's own, right? Neiman's own may be competing with Annie's salad dressing. So at the end of the day, you are going to always have competitors. You're always going to have more than one option that's in the marketplace. But at the end of the day, those brands do not stop showing up just because you may decide to purchase Wishbone. So I say that going back to the hair care example, we need more hair care because all of our hair textures are different and how certain products work for one person may not work for the other person. And then also as part of that, like for me having locks, I've had every hairstyle as a black woman. And even as a, even as a black girl, you know, I've had my hair um, natural, I've had braids, I've had my hair pressed. Um, naturally pressed. I've had perms. I've had um, short hair, colored hair, uh, natural, going back to natural hair, loose fro, colored fro, now locks. Like I've had my own hair journey, right? And so products that I use when I had a relaxer or a perm are not the same products that I utilize now when I have locks. The products I use in the summertime with me having locks is different products than what I use in the wintertime when your hair is more prone to dryness. So I'm saying that because hair care is here to stay and you need different products that complement your hair and the journey that you're on as well in time of season and more. So you are gonna see, continuously see more hair care products come to market. And at the end of the day, as a consumer, you're going to determine the brands that resonate with you. Even with like the brands that I work with, they're like, Megan, this is a very saturated market. I don't know if it's gonna work. Well, look at the salad dressing. Go to the hair care aisle and look at how many hair care brands there are for, you know, the normal hair care aisle. Then you look at the ethnic hair care aisle. So at the end of the day, we are expanding and you can't be everything to everyone because then you're talking to no one. So be very intentional to make sure the products that you're creating, you're staying true and loyal to that customer impact by the key ingredients, the key messaging what sustainability means for you and your brand and more. So we're going to continue to see more hair care brands come up in the market, okay? So uh, continuing on to like our stats, hair care is here to stay, you know, and other things that we're starting to see, you know, gain traction with 2024 consumer trends is one, we have blue beauty. So now brands are looking to see how to incorporate the beautiful blue hues into their modern day beauty routines. So this could be blue eyeshadow aesthetics. So I think of Danessa's um, chrome pencils, right? uh, which has a beautiful blue um, and like aquamarine hue to it. Fun blue nails. I've rocked some blue nails. Okay. So I've been doing that since high school. Um, light blue prom makeup. I don't know about that. That may be for the younger audience. Not my thing. Okay. And you're starting to see other makeup uh, makeup trends as well with incorporation of blue beauty. And so next, head to glow. So body care is going to continuously rise in 2024. And the boomers and the Gen Z are predicted to be doubling down on luxury lotions and in-home spa experiences. So some of the trending things that we're seeing is increasing sunscreen. So baby boomers, Gen Z, you know, and even um, 
the older millennials, okay, because I'm an older millennial, you know, we're starting to utilize more sunscreen to help with, you know, our skin routine, also making sure that we help protect our skin, you know, from different sun rays and everything. Body lotion aesthetics, that's increasing. I love me a shimmer uh, body glitter. Um, lotion, Carolina Herrera is one of my favorites um, with Good Girl, where I can put it on, I'm going to illuminate uh, with that, but it also smells divine. And then you also have different uh, body skincare routines. So like uh, dry brushing, that's one of my staples as part of my body skincare routine as well. Exfoliation, that's gonna be ongoing and more. And so next, we're also starting to see how beauty is expected to be bigger and bolder in 2024. So millennials and Gen Z are set to opt for grandiose styles from hair and jewelry. So hoops or chunky hoops, I have some on now. So mine aren't chunky this time at the recording, but I love me a good pair of hoops. Okay, so they are not going to be, um, it's, it's funny how people are now going to be incorporating hoops into, you know, the bigger and better uh, states of beauty. Big braid hairstyles, we've been doing that. Uh, wavy perm men, that's new. I feel like that's going back to like the between the 30s and the 50s, seeing men with a uh, wavy perm hair. Uh, sculptural jewelry, I feel like that's been around for a while. Um, and big buns, that's something that's always been going around. So I don't know if that's really the trend. I feel like that's more so trending with like a younger audience. But those of us who are probably 30, and up, we've been rocking this for quite some time. So I don't know if it's a trend. I think it's more so a trend for the younger generation, but we've been seeing this already. Um, and then they also talk about, you know, within these statistics, like other things they're seeing, such as bow stacking. So it's like, we're going back to the era of the eighties. Um, eclectic grandpa, like with customized denim jackets and re retro streetwear, okay, not really seeing how these are trends but I feel like this is something we're seeing since I've seen as a young girl to be honest so anyways guys um and also I want to hit on these main things so according to this report um big talk with the Gen Z and millennials um where they're searching for deeper and more meaningful conversations are really trending right now and so some of the big talk questions are centered around questions for couples to reconnect Hot seat questions, deep conversation starters, emotional intimacy, and deep questions to ask friends. So we're going to continue to see these trends grow. And I'll drop this perspective link in the show notes for you all as well. So I would love to get your perspective of what you're seeing in the market as well that's trending in beauty and what's coming down the pipeline. And if you agree with some of these trends too, like I said, some of these I think is fluff because I'm over 35. I'm going to be 37 in the year of 2024. So you know, some of these things I've seen and exhibited and was a trend, I guess, you know, when I was a young girl. So some of this doesn't really resonate with me, but it's like, okay, teach us on, you know, but all these trends come back every 15, 20 years anyway. So we're starting to see how everything is starting to come back at the end of the day. So as we're starting to conclude with like beauty trends, we're seeing in the marketplace, if you're creating a product, that means that, especially in the beauty space, that means that you should be definitely talking and hearing about MOCRA. So MOCRA is the Modernization of Cosmetic Regulation Act. So it's an acronym, M-O-C-R-A. And this is big conversation um, within the beauty world because as part of this, we are now required to have products be listed and facilities listed with FDA. And as part of that, you know, there's certain requirements that brands have to make sure that they are buying by, you know, for the creation of the products that they're creating. 
And so I'm no regulatory specialist, but you will be able to hear an interview segment with um, some of my regulatory consultants on the product and packaging powerhouse. So that's why you have to subscribe because we're going to talk about it. And this is going to be a conversation we're going to continuously have throughout the year because with Mokra, it first came into play and was started to really be the a big topic of conversation where President Biden actually signed the bill for passing this in December 29, 2022. And there were certain things that had to be complied and submitted, you know, within a certain time frame, which initially the deadline was December 29, 2023. As part of that, you know, some brands had the misconception that, oh, well, that does not apply to me, so I do not need to register. And speaking with regulatory consultants that are on my team and also in the industry, that is not true. You know, there may be certain things or certain exclusions that brands, you know, may qualify for based upon revenue, based upon the composition and type of product, if it's a rinse off in 24 hours or less, or not altering uh, your appearance or anything. So there's a lot of different information around it. And so I'm, like I said, I'm no regulatory specialist, but I'm sitting in these conversations to make sure that I am understanding what these new requirements are, how this is applicable to small businesses, and also what has changed and what that means, especially for packaging development, um, product development, working alongside of contract manufacturers to be able to offer these things and help brands, especially independent and startup brands to understand what we're experiencing in the marketplace and helping them be compliant because at GLC, we are big about compliance. So um, I have regulatory specialists that are on my team that help support me alongside of the brands we work with. So I do not make it seem like I know it all. I don't, but I am sitting in these conversations to seek to understand and be able to question and to be able to highlight certain things for the brands. And so um, if you want to learn more about Mokra, a couple of recommendations, and this, this will be down in the show notes for you all as well. So if you need a regulatory specialist, uh, look up Steinberg and Associates with Mo Lovelace. They will be able to help you and they have great information um, as part of their industry news as well with emails. Uh, you also have Ariana Farina, who is a regulatory consultant. She has really good articles on LinkedIn that specifically talking about questions to ask your regulatory staff and consultant. So make sure you get engaged there. Also, third resource, which is something I learned from Cosmoprof Miami from my recent trip, is visiting Personal Care Product Council. So they are working very closely with FDA to help monitor and understand what those requirements are around MOCRA, different templates you can utilize for product listing, uh, facility listing, et cetera. Um, so they are really like a resource bank. And then, you, of course, you have countless other um, platforms as well that's helping attract MOGRA. So if you're part of IBA, Independent Beauty Association, they have great webinars talking about MOGRA and they do offer the webinars on demand as well as recorded. Um, you also have cosmetic executive women that's talking about this as well. So there's a lot of conversation around Mokra in the beauty space. So this is something that's still gaining a lot of momentum because now we're understanding how to submit the information into the portals, what those requirements are, what are those exclusions, what do small businesses, you know, that may be selling their products on Etsy or whatever, what does this mean for them as an artisan and a craft maker, you know, so a lot of great conversations. So I encourage you to check out those respective resources. And those resources are going to be down in the show notes for you all as well. And so 
I say all that to say, you know, as we're wrapping up our time today, that at the end of the day, you know, we're seeing the trends from last year and how we're moving forward in this current year, 2024. But regardless of all these things going on, I want you all to stay encouraged. If you work in this industry, if you are a brand owner, founder, anything of that sort, at the end of the day, we're human first. And so make sure that you're investing and cultivating time for yourself, for your family first, to then help to then have that support and help guide you and have it be your North Star or your why and why you do these things. Make sure you're really securing the proper team resources to help with answering questions and educate you and help get you and help your brand stay on track as well. So if you don't have a regulatory uh, specialist, they will be down in the show notes for you. If you don't have an execution team, my information will be down in the show notes for you to help support you all on these endeavors because we're seeing a lot of things change. And let's make sure that we're all working collectively together to be part of the change that we want to see in the market as well. And so guys, I appreciate you for tuning into today's segment, recapping 2023 and highlighting 2024. Please give us a rating on the respective platforms that you're listening to as well. Give us some love and comments on the different topics we talked about in our time today. And also make sure you do like, follow, and subscribe to our channels and share this with five people in your network as well. And so guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode right here on the Product and Packaging Powerhouse. I am your host, Megan Young-Gamble, and I look forward to seeing you in our upcoming segments ahead. 